You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast, season number two, episode number 24. It's Cubs. Opening day weekend. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials. Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook. Or email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. All right, Crowley, first uh, series in the books. Let's uh, hear what happened. Yeah, you know, it was um, second straight season. The Cubs are going to take on the Brewers at Wrigley. This time to start the 2023 campaign. Fans were pumped up, man. Opening was, day was great. The sun was shining. It was dry. You can't complain about that. Uh, Strowman was ready to take the ball, and it was just a you know perfect opening day, in my opinion. Could have been a little warmer, but not too bad. It was uh, an exciting game, and and you know it was the only one of the three that are the Cubs were going to win. The key to this game really was the third inning. You know, Strowman looked pretty good, and. It was a scoreless game in the third when Milwaukee ends up, they get a hit off a single by Bryce Terang. It was called a single, but to me it looked like an error on Nico. But either way, you know, Terang ends up at second. And then Yelich walks. Jesse Winker strikes out swinging. You had a pass ball to Gomes and then another walk to Willie Adamas. So two walks in that inning for Stroh. You got the bases loaded. Luckily, Rowdy Telez grounded into a double play. Hosmer to Sampson to uh Horner to Swanson to Hosmer, but Stroh and the Cubs were able to come out unscathed after giving up a single and two walks. They would not be so lucky with the walks the rest of the weekend. But that double play, getting out of it, and Stroman was pumped up, that really kind of shifted the momentum. Uh, and, and you know, Milwaukee had their ace going. Corbin's Burns, he's cruising. Bottom of the third, Wisdom draws a walk of his own, but then Miles Mastrobwani uh, grounds into a force out. Patrick Wisdom's out at second, but Master Bunny was hustling, and that prevented a double play, which turned out to be huge. Nico singled, which would be the first hit of the season for the Cubs. He had the uh, runners at the corner. And then uh, Dansby Swanson, the guy who couldn't buy a hit in spring training, he singles to score Master Bunny. Adamas cuts off the throw to home. He tried to get Swanson at first and threw the ball away. That allowed Nico to score, which made it 2-0 Cubs. And and Wrigley is jumping at this point. And, and what's especially funny is that, you know, Willie Harris is telling Nico to slide because the throw's coming to third. And all of a sudden, uh, when, when, that, when he cuts off the throw, Adamas and throws to first and the ball goes away, Willie Harris is screaming at Nico Horner, you got to go, you got to go. And so <clears throat> Nico just kind of jumps up like a cat and runs straight to home. And Willie Harris is following him almost the whole way. I thought Willie was going to touch home. <laughs> so that was absolutely a blast. You know, the next batter, Hap, draws a walk. Bellinger struck out singing in the second, but then new Cubs, Trey Mancini, uh, Mancini singled to score Swanson. His Cubs are up 3 nothing, And then with two outs, Willie Adams had a brain fart. Absolutely awful. Uh, Jan Gomes hits a chopper over the pitchers after overburns his head. And he just casually went to, you know, step on second and walk to his dugout. But Mancini actually beat him there. Everyone was safe. Hap scored. Cubs are up 4 nothing. So you got the catcher, Jan Gomes, who's no speedster. All Adamas had to do was throw it to first. Innings over. You know, you're down 3 nothing. That's not the end of the world. So that extra run, man, you know, we'll take it. 
right? We'll take it. We needed it. We'll take it. So Stroman goes six innings, and he gives up three hits, three walks, eight Ks. But two of those walks were in that third inning when he got out of the double play. So after that third inning, you know, just kind of cruising. He had the first official pitch clock violation in MLB history, and I was there to witness this. Absolutely phenomenal. So There you go. Answer to a trivia question one day. Yeah, so Keegan Thompson, Brad Boxberger, and Michael Fulmer each worked one inning. Uh, the Cubs had 12 Ks to five walks, at least of the pitchers. Offensively, the Cubs scored four runs on six hits, one error. Swanson, though, three for four with an RBI. Ian Happ, one for two with two walks. For the second opening day in a row, the Cubs get to Corbin Burns. He went five innings pitch, four hits, four runs, three walks, and three Ks. So absolutely awesome. And and the Cubs pitching hold the Brewers to zero runs on four hits and one error. Dustin, the game took two hours and 21 minutes. That's the biggest question I wanted to ask you about for this podcast, Crowley. Um, You've been to 23 of these in a row. Um, I'm sure none of them ever lasted that few of minutes um, or hours and minutes, if you want to put it that way. But the game was never that short. Did you feel that it was going too fast? Did you feel that some of your experience was robbed of you because of this or because they won and because the weather wasn't ideal it was dry that's all you can really hope for when you're playing baseball in march that it's dry did you like i mean it from being at home i was kind of i had the radios on i had the tvs on i'm moving around the house I'm, I'm super nervous and anxious about the whole day and it felt very very fast at home but in a good way like i i, I felt like I wasn't, it wasn't bogged down. And we'll get to like today's game. We're taping this after Sunday's game. Today I felt more bogged down with it. And it was close to three hours. But I just wonder if being at the park, if you'd feel robbed or didn't get the full experience because of the shorter game. I mean, I think it all kind of depends on your situation. You know, for me, uh, at, on an opening day, you know, you, we were up partying at eight o'clock in the morning. We went to output, you know, I mean, it's like we, we got our drinking in our partying on and then we got our baseball on, got a victory, got to fly the W. So it felt pretty good. I'm sure if you were someone that doesn't like cold weather, you didn't mind at all. Um, right. You know, so I think in those regards, there, there is times where you do notice how fast it is. It's like there's no casually kind of just wandering over to get a beer or, you know, like everything is kind of like, okay, we got, let's move while, while in between innings to get the food, to get to the bathroom, to get. The and you'll be to what? 40, you'll be to like 40 more of these, right? This year. So this is not for you. You're going to get, you're going to get plenty. You're going to get your fill. I just wonder if, if you only get out one or two times a year, if, if you feel a little cheated, that's all I'm asking. I can absolutely see that if you're someone that's not going to go to a lot of games and hasn't been to an opening day or, or you know, just just your first time at the ballpark, I could see it. Be, that was really fast. It felt fast, but uh, definitely the fastest I've ever been. But I'm wondering, I bet the people on Saturday were happy that the game went fast as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good that's a good segue, Crowley. Let's get into uh, Saturday. It was Justin Steele Day over at Wrigley Field. Yeah, and, and, and we clearly had high expectations after a strong 2020 season, 22 season. Uh, very excited. Justin Steele will be at Club 400 this Thursday coming up. You can uh, always send me a DM at, at Crawley's Cubs or go to the Club 400 website if you're interested in tickets on that. Looks shaky in the first inning, right? Walks the first batter. So here we go with the walks again. I'm waiting for the walks. But he gets Willie Adamas to strike out. He gave up a single to Christian Yelich, but then he got William Contreras to ground into a double play. After the first inning, Steele was locked in. They could not touch him. It was a miserable, cold, cold day. I, I, for the Cubs fans that were there, those are diehards, man, that are sitting in that weather, cheering on the team. But think about this, Dustin. After that first inning, he gave up a only two hits. He gave up a double in the third to Joey Weimer and a single to Owen Miller in the fifth. That was it. Okay, so the Brewers just really... Didn't see him at all. He just looked really strong. So He looked fantastic. Glad. Really, really great outing. Yeah, I was really, really glad that he was able to get out of that first with no damage and then and then just settle into it. So that was good. But the Cubs often struggled against Brandon Woodruff. They only had five hits the entire game. And out of those five hits, Dustin, 
Dansby gets three and Ian gets two. No one else on the team got hit the entire day. Yeah, it's uh, it can't be all Dansby Swanson. I mean, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled with the start that Dansby Swanson has had, but there's a couple of guys that I'm not happy with the starts they've had. I can just imagine. And so as as you kind of look at this right here, you, you have, again, five hits, you're not going to win a lot of games. It's just not going to happen. Ian Happ actually gave the Cubs the lead. It's one to nothing in the sixth inning. And so everything to me, I'm watching this game. I'm driving back. I went to the Iowa uh, Cubs opening day on Friday as well. And so we're driving back on the road. And I'm kind of watching this game. We actually had the score on to listen to Pat and Ryan. We had Marquee on a phone that was on the mounted in the car. We're watching the game. I'm watching Steele, and everything's going, okay, perfect. Six innings. Ian Happ has a home run. And then the move that I thought was going to happen is what happens. Javier Assad enters the game in the seventh. So if you remember Assad, brilliant in spring training. Touch in 96, everything's great. He performed as a multi-inning reliever for the WBC for Team Mexico as well. So I'm thinking to myself, Assad's going to come in, you know, he's going to take seven, eight, and if he's really lights out, he'll take nine. If not, they'll put someone else in there. No big deal. Strong seventh inning, right? He strikes out two batters and gets a ground out. But in the eighth inning, the wheels fall off. Um... Miles Mastroboni replaces Trey Mancini in right. So that was the right move by David Ross to put Mastroboni in, you know, get, get the inexperienced Mancini out of right field. Brian Anser- Anderson starts out with a single. Another walk, Dustin. Garrett Michael walks. And then notorious Cub killer Jesse Winker, <laughs> who was traded to Seattle, right? Cincinnati trades him to Seattle, is brought back into the NL Central after being traded to the Brewers. He singles to tie up the game. He was lifted for a pinch runner, uh, Bryce Terang, who stole second. Mike Brasil grounded out, and Assad's day was done. Michael Fulmer came in and walked the first batter he faced. So that's two guys that you walked in that inning. You can't do this, right? So now you got to face, um, you know, so he walks Willie Adam, his first batter he faced, but he gets Yelich to strike out. So you have two outs, right? The game is tied and who comes up to bat? This is absolutely the poetic beauty of baseball. William Contreras, brother of scorned former Cubs catcher, Wilson <laughs> Contreras. And this, you know, this was kind of just, I felt that this was all weekend with the Brewers, especially game two and three. Death by a thousand cuts, man. They just literally just kept doing these, just putting the ball. It's almost like they couldn't have thrown it in a better spot. And so Contreras hits a blue. And the wind's pushing it away from Miles Mastrobuani. You know, some people are yelling, oh, he should have died for it, whatever. Dropped in front of him. Two more runs score. And so after Steele's masterpiece, the Cubs bullpen coughs it up. They're now down three to one. And they try to make a little run of it in the ninth. But uh, Cody Bellinger hit into a double play when you had um, Swanson and Hap up. And, and then that's pretty much it. So Steele went six. He gave up three hits. Right, one walk and eight Ks. Couldn't have asked for a better game from Justin Steele. Could not have asked for a better game. Um, Assad was charged with the blown save. You know, you can't really blame. I mean, again, the walks is what really just come back to bite you here. But Brandon Woodruff, Woodruff went six innings. He gave up three hits, one run, one walk, eight Ks. So this, to me, Dustin, was the most frustrating game out of all of them because you had them where you wanted them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Game, you know, game, absolutely. game one's in the pocket, right? Game one's in the pocket. You you have the lead in game two. You have the pitch. Everything is lined up, like I said. Steal to Assad, and if you need somebody, get somebody in the ninth. Just this one was the one that hurt because now you know you got to try to go and win it in the rubber match, and it didn't happen, you know? Right, and and I was what I was really two things. I, I was disappointed in Assad after getting kind of hyped based on what he did in the World Baseball Classic. Um, but you got to score some runs. I mean, one run's not going to do it on a day. I don't care how cold it is. I don't care how miserable it is. One run's not going to do it. The other thing, at one point, wasn't Jamison Tyon, didn't we think Jamison Tyon was pitching game number two and Steele was pitching game number three at one point? Uh, it was, I think the way that it lined up in spring training for the most part, it looked like Steele would probably get two, but yeah, it could have been. All right. I, I mean, I just wonder, like, are they, are they, Doing the righty lefty righty lefty is is that is that what's going on? Because boy, I, I mean, I just wonder if you know 
was Steele that good, or was the weather a factor, and would Jamison Tyon had looked like Justin Steele on Saturday, and could Justin Steele have looked like Justin Steele on Sunday? You see what I'm saying? Like, was it the weather? I'm just very, it's just another thing to keep your eye on the next time around. If Steele pitches in some better weather, will he be as good? Will he be as effective against the hitters? And would Jamison Tyon have been better had he pitched on Saturday, which was a crap day? I, I think that Steele's Steel stuff looked really good from what I saw. I don't think, I mean, obviously it's going to help when the hitters, when they're cold and they're freezing and it hurts to even get a hit, it hurts your hands. Right. I mean, I'm sure that, I'm sure that's going to absolutely help any pitcher. But here's It works the thing. both His ways, right? Looked, it works right. both ways, yep. Right. The stuff looked good to me. Um, you know, there was a couple things that kind of blew my, that, that kind of, I wanted to touch on you with a little bit and it was, uh, who was it? I'm trying to think of who hit the double. Was it Swanson who hits a double off Woodruff, right? And I know, you know, you're not going to bunt with Ian Happ and all this stuff, but on a day like that, right? It was a lead off double on a day like that. You hit a lead off double. You, you got a guy in Brandon Woodruff, who's a very good way overlooked pitcher because of, Corbin Burns, right? Everyone likes Corbin Burns. He gets a strikeout. He's the one that looks sexy, but Woodruff is a really good pitcher. You got to lead off double. I know bunting isn't popular in today's world in the sabermetric community, whatever, whatever, whatever. But imagine if you get a bunt, right? Let's say Ian Happ gets a bunt down and you, you get to third with Swanson. Now a lot of things can potentially happen to, to you know, and get a, at least a little bit of a cushion or that would have given them the lead, I believe at the time. I just thought that sometimes I think we're too quick to say never bunt, right? And especially when the weather conditions are so miserable and everybody's struggling. Again, nobody nobody was hitting anybody that day. Like I said, the Cubs only had five hits and they were all Swanson and Hap. So everybody's struggling that day. That was just my thought process. I don't know, Dustin. Where were you at that on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it makes sense. I, I think on a crap day... The weather weather has to be a factor. It, it can't all be, you know, all the saber metrics doesn't. I don't think the weather is included in that. So I think I think you're right. I think you're onto something there for sure. Now uh, Brendan Woodruff did have his um, you know his debut with the Cubs, not the greatest. Like I said, you know, you're, no one's going to sit there and say that that was a, a great game by Tyone. Even Jameson, I'm sure himself. I didn't get to hear the post game yet, but I'm taping it, so we'll see what he has to say. But Dansby, again, gives the Cubs an early lead, but I like Nico Horner at leadoff, man. I'm really enjoying that. He ended up with a, a single, and he ended up then stealing second, and then Swanson just gets him in right away. I think he kind of is that spark plug. I think he's going to have a great season, and it, it excited me with that one. But the trouble was, you know, Milwaukee kept answering every time. They answered in the top of the second. Patrick Wisdom, the guy I predicted to have the most home runs, I think you did too, right? I think so. I think, we were, I think we were – I think we were – Simpatico on that. Yep. He hit a he hit a solo home run in the bottom of the second, and that would be the last time the Cubs would lead. Milwaukee scored one off of Tyone in the third, one in the fourth. And then he was out uh, you know, once he was out of the game, the bullpen again. This was just absolutely brutal on this one right here. Before so, we get into the bullpen, Crowley, before we get to the bullpen, which was brutal. Why was Tyone taken out when he was taken out? I would say just by the way that he was looking as far as the number of pitches. It was only 67 say, pitches, I believe. Right, but the trouble was he was in trouble all day. So sometimes uh, I, you can... Right, you yeah, can, yeah, I agree. Right. I, I agree, but I just it was like it, it just seemed weird at that moment. I mean, again, Tyone's supposed to be a guy for you. One of the guys. I, I, I just, boy, I just thought it was a little, I thought, I thought the hook was a little too early. I, I did not. I thought the Cubs were lucky to be as close as they were in the game, okay. the way that Tyone right. was pitching. And I thought that if you kept him in there, that they were going to absolutely break it open. Now, you didn't know they were going to break it open over the bullpen. If you knew that, you know what I mean? That's hindsight, you know, that, that makes it look that way. But when, when you look at, at the, the pitches, you know, sometimes you can throw 80 pitches like Justin Steele the other day, 90-some pitches, and it was he barely worked at all, barely had to break a sweat. Where with Tyone, everything seemed labored. Every every time, every inning, it seemed like there was a guy on first to lead off the inning. So I, I don't have any problem with that move right there. Uh, okay. it, once again, though, it, it was it was Julian Merriweather. He came in. It, like I said, he, they weren't doing bad, but he just 
walks and and then and then Milwaukee with their death by a thousand cuts. They just put contact on the ball and let things happen. Well, they were and, able to hit everything. There was no swing and miss for Merriweather at all. Everything everything he threw looked fat and heavy, and they just put the bat on the ball and were just dropping it wherever the Cubs were. It's like a it's like a sixteen inch softball game today, Crowley. Right. Cubs killer Jesse Winker, bases loaded single was the big blow to drive in two runs. And Milwaukee, that, that inning, like I said, five runs, six inning, that's the one that put it away. Cubs added a couple runs, including another solo home run for Patrick Wisdom, but they lose the rubber match nine to five. The Cubs offense scored five runs on nine hits. Wisdom had two solo home runs, so great to see. Dansby Swanson had the RBI. Tyone, four innings, like we said, didn't go long, gave up seven hits, right? And so three runs, one walk, two Ks. Lighter, Merriweather, Rucker, Alzali came out of the bullpen. but Alzali looked good. We got to talk Alzali about that for a great. second. Alzali looked nice. Yeah, again, I think he has potential closer stuff in the future. I really, truly believe that. I don't know if it's going to be this season, but who knows? You know, If nobody takes the job, that job could be his for the taking. Um, I thought he did really well, you know, and he was one of the guys that didn't walk somebody. When you looked at the bullpen, especially, in, and this is a tweet I got off of Jordan Bastion here. Uh, this was in that uh, seventh inning. As of this tweet, the Cubs' bullpen has 23.3% walk rate in the season opening series. Three Milwaukee free passes in the sixth and seventh were converted into runs in the Brewers' six-run outburst in that span. So think about that. The bullpen is walking someone a quarter of the time. Yeah. So... That, that's just walks will kill you, Crowley. Walks will kill you. you. You know, I'm just sitting there and I was looking at the numbers, and it's just like all these pitchers with the walks. And Adbert Elzelai, so far, you were mentioning him. He's gone two innings pitch so far, and he has three strikeouts and zero walks. That's what you're looking for, you know. But you go down the list, most of these guys have only pitched one inning. Brandon Boxberger has one walk, Michael Fulmer has one walk, Mark Leiter has three walks. Uh, Let's see, Keegan Thompson, one walk. Michael Rucker, one walk. G, you know, Javier Assad, one walk. Julian Merriweather, Merriweather a couple. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you can't do that. that that's absolutely going to crush you. And then offensively, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, like I said, you know, we can sit there and say to ourselves, you know, God, take a look at Dansby Swanson. I mean, that, that guy right now is hitting 583, right? And then Ian Happ is 375, Patrick Wisdom 286, and then you start kind of going down there. But Trey Mancini, eh. Nick Madrigal, 167. Jan Gomes, 143. Uh, Cody uh, Bellinger, Crowley. Cody Bellinger. Triple zero. Triple zero. Bats. Yep. That was uh, not the start that uh, Cody Bellinger new. wanted to have. New. New, 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 But I think before, you know, anyone hits the panic button, don't forget that the Brewers are a really good team that have really good pitching. And hopefully the Cubs offense saw the way that Milwaukee attacked. And I think that's the recipe for the Cubs to do well. Advance when you can. I saw them like ball in the dirt and the catcher's trying to get it. Yeah, they're very aggressive. Very aggressive. Aggressive team. Didn't strike out a lot. I thought that defensively for the Cubs, Dansby Swanson was everything is advertised. Man, was I so impressed watching him. Nico had a couple of plays at second that I'm kind of in, eh, but, but Dansby just blew me away. Some of the plays that he made, some of the runs that he saved. I thought Jan Gomes had a really good defensive series, blocking balls and, and doing well. It was a tough weekend to play baseball. Let, let, let's be hundred percent honest. Now, both teams have got to do it. Both teams have got to do it, but I just wouldn't go crazy based on this small sample size of a, one series right now. All right, Crowley, my second biggest question, and you just kind of, dipped your toe into it, so I'm going to follow up right now. Why would the Cubs open up at home against the Brewers when the Brewers have a dome on their stadium and they're playing in March? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I love that the Cubs opened up the season at Wrigley Field, okay? But the opening day is still going to be special, whether it's game number one or game number six or seven or eight. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. They're opening up at Wrigley in March against a team that has a dome. Doesn't make any sense. Zero. 
there's always going to be this argument and fight because the games that are the most valuable, no matter what, are your summer games. And everybody wants to have as little April and May games as possible and would love to have the June, July, August games. So as much as you have, that's what they would want. And so that's just the way that the schedule makers do it. I wish I could have a better answer than you. Listen, Miller Park, which now is called something in family insurance or whatever park, the place would have been packed for three days and it would have been Wrigley Field North if the if the people in Wisconsin didn't want to show up. Okay, Chicagoans would have went up in full force. They would have had a great they would have had a great gate. Milwaukee would have had a great, great gate. I'm just saying yeah. it just doesn't it just doesn't make any sense. And again, you're right. Both teams have to play it. It's not why the Cubs lost the series. It's not why the Brewers won the series. It just it wasn't the best brand of baseball because of the weather. I mean, they're lucky they didn't play on Friday. They probably couldn't have played on Friday. And then right, Saturday right. was and Saturday, okay, the sun was out, but it was windy and crappy. Otherwise, today was yep. nice. Today was spectacular. Yep. And you got anyway. a three hour game. You got a three and you, hour and game. you almost had a three hour game because the bullpen of the Cubs was so bad. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. It is season number two. It is episode number 24, Cubs opening weekend. And in this segment, our guy Crowley was out in Iowa talking to Tommy Birch, the Des Moines Register, about the iCubs roster opening weekend against those Columbus Clippers. Joining me now on the fly, the W podcast, our old friend, Tommy Birch, who covers the Cubs for the Des Moines Register. Tommy, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, how about you? Oh, I, I had a great weekend. I'm so glad I got to see you and then Alex Cohen and the rest of the guys over at Principal Park, man. It was, it was a load of fun. Yeah, I mean, you guys seem like you you had a lot more fun than I did. I was stuck up in the in the press box, but... Man, you you guys had a whole caravan of people. Yeah, we we like to travel and we like to have fun. And and you guys had that one beer stand with all the craft beers that was absolutely rocking it. Yeah, I I don't think people fully comprehend how much of a fun time Des Moines, Iowa is. I hear it from players all the time, but especially fans too come in like, man, we did not expect it to to be like this. But even the park too. I mean, there's. One, there's not a bad seat in the house, and two, it's just a really good, fun environment, especially when it's nice out. Like, you guys didn't even get good weather. Like, if you come back for some really nice summer weather, you'll you'll really be rocking. There we go. That, that sounds like fun now. Speaking <laughs> of fun, man, th- this roster, I mean, y- there's a lot to be excited about for Cub fans, not just for the good times, but for the baseball, too, in Des Moines. Yeah, you've been covering Cubs teams for a little while now. How does this compare to some of the other Cubs teams that you've covered in the past? It's pretty exciting. You know, I was trying to think about the last time there's this much hype, this much excitement. Um, I would say it goes back to, I think it was 14 or 15 when we're looking at having Javi Baez, uh, Chris Bryant, and Addison Russell all in the same Iowa Cubs infield. You know, and then a year or two later, I think 2016 is when we had Dan Vogelbach, Albert Almora Jr., Wilson Contreras, all in the same lineup, too. So those couple of years, um, it just seemed like everywhere you looked, there was a big-name prospect. And this year, you know, there are a lot of really good prospects, too, and a lot of guys who used to be prospects. You know, when you talk about guys like Morel, Velasquez, guys who aren't, 
quote unquote still prospects, but are still young guys that there's still a lot of excitement about. Um, I think that adds to the intrigue too. So, you know, just looking at the roster right now, you know, you, you got some starting pitching and I think that starting pitching, you know, you always want to have it, you know, close to Chicago in case you need it. Um, obviously Cub fans know Adrian Sampson had a really good year last year. So he's a starter. Uh, Nick Nieder, the Cubs picked him up from the Marlins. Caleb Killian, you're talking about big name prospects. And then two more starters. Is it? Did they name Rowanis Elias a starter yet? Yeah, I don't think they have yet. Right now, the rotation sheets uh, TBD. So, but they may have some flexibility too when it comes to the rotation because they're scheduled to go up to St. Paul. But if you look at the weather in St. Paul, they just had seven inches of snow. So I would say there's a decent chance we may not be watching baseball um, for the Iowa Cubs on Tuesday. So keep an eye on that. But yeah, I mean, all those arms are really interesting. The bullpen arms are intriguing, too. There's a lot of really good arms. A lot of really good arms are still on the way, too. Right. Now, now today, you know, I was there on Friday, which was interesting. I mean, poor Adrian Sampson struggles with the long ball all season. And then the first time they give him the ball in Iowa, 40 mile hour per winds out to out to the outfield. So, you know, we know what Adrian can do. But I'm, I'm curious, Nick Nieder uh, pitched on Saturday, correct? Correct. And he didn't look too bad. He looked pretty, uh, pretty sharp at times. And then we got Caleb Killian today, who it was just not a good outing whatsoever. It was really tough conditions, you know, not, it was pretty warm out, but super windy and his command was a little bit off, but you know, when it comes to these, you know, early season starts in Des Moines, I really don't take too much into account. You know, I know kind of the conditions I know, um, just everything that goes into it where you usually aren't going to see the best out guys in their first couple of starts. You aren't going to see their best stuff early on pretty much wherever they're at, but then you throw in the conditions of a place like Des Moines where it could be cold, it could be windy, it might even be snowing at some point, then I think you kind of take the results with a grain of salt and say, Okay, let's see how outing number two, three, and four go. Right. And, you know, Caleb is a guy clearly that, you know, it went, from a prospect perspective, Cub fans are going to be keeping an eye on. But when we talk about pitchers, like you mentioned it a little bit before, the bullpen is really kind of, you know, where I, I, I'm sitting here looking at some of the names now. You know, you got guys that have had a little bit of experience with the Cubs in Rowan Wick and Manny Rodriguez. Um, how did Manny's velocity look this weekend to you? It looked really good. He was up into the upper 90s, I think touched 98, maybe even had a 99 in there, but usually sat 97, 98, which is a really good sign given everything he's been through. I think that's where you want to see it. And kind of going back to what I had said before, you know, if the VLO is at that point right now, think about once it gets warm out, think about once it gets to better pitching conditions where, you know, you're probably going to be seeing more. 98, 99, maybe even some more hundreds too. And and I will tell you, one guy that really excites me, he just had a cup of coffee with the Cubs, is Jeremiah Estrada. And I got a feeling it's not going to be super long. You know, I don't know how long you guys are going to have him in Iowa, but that's a kid that he's been, like I said, been on the podcast, but I just watch his stuff and it just is absolutely crazy. Yeah, he came in the other day and just looked absolutely amazing, pounded the strike zone, had some decent velo but just looked a part of a big leaguer. And you look at what he did last year in terms of just rapidly rising through the system and going through all the different levels he played at and getting to Chicago, like, man, that's pretty incredible. But right now he just kind of, he's kind of got that strut. He's got that confidence. He He's kind of got that moxie of a guy that looks like, I belong in the major leagues. Like, AAA is not where I should be. So he looks pretty good his first outing, too. Another guy that I thought was um, uberly impressive, too, when it comes to the VLO is Cam Sanders, who sat kind of in the mid-90s, maybe even low-90s, but actually got it up to 97. Um, at one point, I think 97.9. Um, but that'll be up there so much more when it gets warm out. But didn't have his best stuff, but still had a good outing and still put up zeros. 
Hey, but when you're in the bullpen, right? Those zeros are really nice. And, and, you know, you got guys like Brendan Little that are, that are down there and, you know, Denise Correa, Chris Clark, uh, the Mariners picked him up on rule five and then we got him back. Right. Yeah. And I don't believe he's in Des Moines right now. So I'm not sure where he's going to end up on a roster, but um, last time I saw it wasn't on Iowa's roster. Yeah, it's my, you know, they, it'll be interesting to see if, yeah, exactly where they, you know, decide to put him when he's out. But the infield looks really interesting. Uh, Sergio Alcantara, Alcantara, you know, he's had a cup of coffee. Every, you know, all Cub fans remember David Bodie and that ultimate slam. Um, there's a couple guys, though, that I know that Cub fans are just going to kind of be paying attention to. Uh, you wrote an article about Matt Mervis, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but I was there on Friday, and, and I'm like, oh, man, I cannot wait to see Matt Mervis hitting this weather, and he did not disappoint with that home run. Um, but the guy that I, I really kind of curious about is Jake Slaughter, right, infielder. And, sure. you know, what have you seen so far out of Jake this last weekend? Yeah, he's hit the ball really well, and it's really impressive given the idea that the guy that's never played in AAA before. First time in AAA, I think he's already driven in seven runs. So he's got a good awareness of when guys are on base and what he needs to do. Puts the ball in place, had some good exit velos, so he's hit the ball hard. and just looks super confident at the plate. Doesn't look overmatched, which, like I said, is very, very impressive for a guy that, you know, look, this is his first shot at uh, AAA pitching. And he's facing some really good veteran guys too you know Daniel Norris ended up starting I think it was uh Saturday night so um it's not like he is facing guys that are in AAA for the first time he's facing guys that you know like Norris who I believe has nine years of big league service time so um it's been an impressive start for him as well too yeah now you know when I look when I look at the um some of the different players on the team, as far as the outfielders, uh, th that's where it kind of really starts to get really interesting here. Now I know people are really frustrated that Christopher Morrell did not make the roster just because he is just a fan favorite. And I'm sure you could already see why people love this kid so much, right? Yeah. I mean, the energy, the excitement, the confidence that he plays with, like everybody can see it and you can feel it. You can, feed off of it it's exciting i mean i think in his first game he had which should have been just a double he hustled his butt and got a triple um you know we made a really nice play the other day playing third base on a on a bunny ball a slow roller barehanded and made a really nice play today was in center field almost made a really nice catch going into the wall um so he's bounced all around the field He's played really well defensively. He's hit really well so far. I think he's got a home run, a triple, a couple of singles. So he's been good um, at the plate as well. And he's just worked his butt off too. You know, the hustle. It's like I said, you know, when some of these guys come down from Chicago in an instance like that where they know like, okay, man, I've spent a lot of time in the big leagues. You know, it would be easy not to have that sense of excitement, that sense of passion and kind of that all that moxie that has made him a fan favorite. But he looks like a guy that's trying to play his way up to the major leagues for the first time, not a guy that has spent half the year in the major leagues. Yeah. And, and what I try to tell people too is really like, you know, where would you like him to play to get everyday at bats? Yeah. And that's really the tough sure. thing. Because when I think of Nelson Velasquez, he was a guy, you know, you know, they're not going to give you, I remember, I think Sandberg went like one for 35 or something like that when he started his career, but they're not going to give you that much time. You know what I mean? And sure. so Nelson, I felt like he was called up and he never really got a chance to kind of get in a groove to get every day at bats. And that's really hard to come off the bench and expect these guys to hit off some of the best pitchers in the world. Yeah. And I think out of all the guys in Iowa so far this year, I think Velasquez has been the most impressive and, um, you look at it today, I think he went two for th or went three for four, ended up being a, a triple short of the cycle. Everything he has hit has been hard. You look at his exit beat low numbers, everything has been 100 plus miles an hour, even the outs. So it's kind of amazing to look back at Nelson Velasquez and see, like, man, how overlooked he is. I mean, one, 
he didn't end up winning a job um, out of opening day. I think a lot of people kind of assume like, okay, when Suzuki went down, he would have been a candidate for the job. And I think didn't really seem to get that much of a hard look too. Um, so I don't know if the game plan always was like, okay, we're going to send him down to, to AAA, get more experience, get more at bats, just kind of get him more into development mode. But man, he looks totally locked in right now. And like I said, I, I, I feel like he is one of the most overlooked guys on this roster just because I think his prospect status is gone at this point, but he's still young. He's still talented. He can do so much. He's got so much pop. He's got so much athleticism. He's got great arm in the outfield. So um, I'm really excited to see what he's going to do the rest of the time he's down here because um, it will be a matter of time before he's back up there. Yeah, and when you think about Morel, when you think about Velazquez, you know that like nobody's really claimed that right field job till Suzuki gets yeah. back. So I mean, the opportunities there. Now, one guy that you said that you know when you mentioned overlooked, the one guy I always hear that gets overlooked is Darius Hill, um, a guy that led the the minors in hits last year, and it just seems like you know I, I mean he may not be the guy that's going to hit the 450 foot home run or throw a 102 mile per hour pitch, but the guy hits at every level everywhere he goes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the problem, too, is we talk about how important that prospect status is to have that label, you know, prospect, a guy, you know, that so many people have high hopes for. And I think part of the problem is he just doesn't have that label. I think there are high hopes for him. Obviously, people in the Cubs system speak very highly of him. They're very excited about what he accomplished. But look, he's still not a prospect. He's still not a guy that they expected to probably do all the things they did last year. And he's in an outfield that is absolutely crowded right now with Brennan Davis, Christopher Morrell getting reps, Nelson Velasquez. And at some point, you're going to have Suzuki coming down on a rehab assignment, probably coming to Des Moines, also taking at bats. So, um, it really is remarkable to to think that this guy led the entire organization hitting a year ago. And right now he's just struggling to get into the lineup. But um, he's a guy that took advantage of every opportunity he had last year, raked at every level he was at, and at least put himself on the radar. Right. And and, and you mentioned Brennan Davis. And, you know, you know, number two, usually ranked prospect right now, number one the previous year. Uh, Brennan, you know, he, he's coming back from that nerve injury and he, you know, it's gotta be interesting for him because, you know, obviously they're, they got a center fielder that they're paying a lot of money for right now and Cody Bellinger, but there's no saying that, that if Cody doesn't really do well, say for half the season or something, or if he doesn't get traded, let's say the Cubs are out of it and, 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 you know, Cody's doing really well. Brennan could have a shot, you know, to kind of win that job in center field. So that's, I wonder how much, you know, he's been thinking about that and how much that, that kind of goes into his mindset, you know, being so close and kind of losing out that year in Iowa last year. Yeah. I mean, it's a really tough situation for Brennan as a guy that, you know, you talk to him, he had even told me last year, he writes down his goals. And one of his number one goals was I'm going to make it to the big leagues this season. You know, he was on that trajectory, to, to potentially get to the big leagues last season, but had the back injury, struggled mightily when he was on the field. He did manage to salvage some of the season, but it ended up ultimately being a lost cause. But if you think about it, if he would have been healthy and just produced a little bit last season, he probably would have been in the big leagues and he probably would have gone into this season at least having a shot to win a starting spot. Um in spring training, but it's just kind of, it's kind of been one thing after another when it comes to Brennan Davis from injury after injury to just kind of some struggles. It seems like it's been like, man, a long, long time since we've gotten to see a healthy Brennan Davis get out there and rake. I think you, you probably have to go all the way back to 2021 where, um, you know, he was fully healthy and just fully playing at his best because even by the end of the 2021 season, I think, uh, you know, he hit home runs in his first two at-bats with Iowa. But at that point in the year, 
like, like, man, he was kind of running on fumes by the end of the season, too. So Brennan knows this is a make-or-break year for him in terms of what he's got to do, what he's got to show. And, um, you know, the Cubs put him on the 40-man. He's He's got a shot to to go with the big leagues. They want him to go out there and rake. They want him to do well so they can at least get him up there and see what they have with him. But he's got to do it at AAA first. Uh, and, and another prospect that, that has that status, Alexander Canario. Now, I mean, he's obviously on the IL. He had that horrific injury this winter, <clears throat> but have you heard anything about him, how he's doing, you know, what's going on or not too much? Haven't heard too much outside of he is doing some baseball activities. I don't know how serious they are, but it sounds like some at least pretty light stuff. But I know the expectation is he will be back at some point this year. Um, it's going to be interesting to see when it is because that's a guy who, by all intents and purposes, probably would have gone out and competed for that right field job right away. Man, he was exciting in the short amount of time. We got to see him in AAA last year. Talk about a guy with all those type of tools. You know, tremendous athlete, could run, hit, field, throw, um, just had everything you could want. And, and I think you look at the season that Matt Mervis ended up having and obviously all the attention went towards him and he did, you know, everything and more. But, like, man, Alexander Canario was right there in terms of productivity and I think – um, and that was a, a lot of fun to watch unfold last year. You got a great coaching staff down there. You got Marty Peavy, what, 600th victory the other day? <clears throat> Is that 600th uh, career victory with Iowa Cubs on Saturdays? Already, Iowa's all time winning as manager. Um, kind of lost in the shuffle, too. He's also got the all time record for ejections as well. So, oh, look at that! That's uh, nice. He's written, rewritten the entire uh managerial record book. Yeah, I mean, just amazing. And then great to see Eric Patterson back in the system, and uh, also back John Maley is the hitting coach from 2016, the hitting coach. So, you know, he's with the Cubs for a few years, did a lot of great work, and then Ron Rion as your pitching coach. So I just feel like there's a lot of exciting storylines happening over in, in Iowa. You know, there's just so much that you, if you go there, there's so much you could actually want to look at with different players and kind of just kind of see what's going on. Yeah. And I found the Eric Patterson thing to be uh, really interesting too. You know, he was a guy that played obviously in the Cubs system, played for the Iowa Cubs at one point was a big prospect in the system too. Ended up getting traded to the A's. He's a guy that's been there and done that. And I think really, relates well to all the players and the really interesting thing when it comes to Ron Valone is you hear so many guys that end up going up to Chicago and having success all the time you always hear him say RV 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 so what's what Ron Valone is doing in Des Moines having a major major impact on a lot of those arms that end up going up to Chicago it's good. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, Matt Mervis, and, and I read your article today in the Des Moines register and, and I love the title, you know what I mean? You know, he's trying to prove that 2022 wasn't a fluke when you talk to Matt. I mean, you know, it, it does kind of seem like he's always overlooked by people or, or I would say maybe just kind of a lot of people have question marks about him, but he seems to, I think that kind of drives him a little bit, you know? Yeah, I think he kind of plays with the chip on his shoulder. But, I, you know, I asked him that, too. I said, um, you know, is that something that's really motivating you? And, you know, he is motivated to go out there and show, like, man, I'm a really good player. Last year wasn't a fluke, but he really doesn't give a crap what people are saying. You know, he said, I know people are going to have their their scouting reports on me. I know people are going to have their questions. I know it's going to come from the media. It's going to come from the scouts. It's going to come from evaluators and all that type of stuff. He said, I don't care. I know what I can do. I know what I'm capable of. I'm going to go out and do that. And, you know, we did that opening night with an uberly impressive uh, debut to the season, reaching base five times, a home run, a double that nearly left the park too couple of walks that hit by pitch you know I think when it comes to Matt Mervis and you look at his career there's just been more failure than there has been success and part of that is 
Um, just the little experience he's had too. Where 2020, there wasn't a season. Um, you know, the end of his college career ended up getting canceled because of COVID-19. He really struggled during the 2021 season. So I think people are always kind of looking like, okay, which player is Matt Mervis? Is he that guy or is he the guy that we saw in 2022? And this is going to be his year to show that he is the guy that he was in 2022. And I think it's really hard to ignore everything that he accomplished in 22 because he did it across three different levels and never missed a beat. He stuck to his game plan. He was a guy that got on base, hit for power, and just did everything that was asked of him. So is he always going to, you know, hit at that level? I don't know, but I think um, definitely the truth lies in that side of his game much more than the other part. Now, I we you know I know a lot of people were really pushing for Matt to get handed the job, but I was happy that they signed Mancini and Hosmer. Give Matt a little bit of experience, show he can do what he did in Iowa. You know, do it again in twenty twenty three, and then Hosmer's not a contract that you know you can't get rid of or anything like that. If, if Mervis can prove that he he's able to still continue to hit at the level he did last year, and it looks like that he had a pretty good relationship with the two of them during spring training. Yeah, he told me they both kind of took him under his wings. You know, Hosmer taught him a lot about playing first base. Mancini, who played for the Orioles, and Matt's from uh, Maryland, talked to him a lot about that time there. And I think Matt totally understood the situation. Like, he's a guy that had limited reps in AAA. He had to work it all the way, his way all the way up from single A, double A, triple A last year and, and really go out there and prove himself. He said – you know, he even said to me, too, like, the journey has never been easy before. It's not going to be easy when it comes to that last step. So um, it, I, I found that super interesting as well, knowing that, like, okay, I got to go out there. I've got to earn that last spot. But um, I thought it was kind of cool what he had said about both those guys in terms of taking uh, both those guys taking him under their wing. And I think that's part of the reason why you will go out and you get an Eric Cosmer. You go out and get a Trey Mancini, not only to kind of help fill that hole until you figure out what you have with Matt Mervis. I, you know, I think in an ideal world, Matt goes out, just totally breaks in AAA, you bring him up. But look, you still got to have another guy. And I think you want a veteran guy there that's at least going to show him the ropes when he comes up and just kind of help him feel it out early on. Right. You know, and, and I was interested in your article because you talk a little bit, you know, spring training wasn't the greatest for Matt. And he also didn't have the greatest WBC. He was with uh, Team Israel in the World Baseball yes. Classic. But I think that, you know, especially the WBC was probably a great learning experience for him. Sure. Yeah. Once around, once again, kind of being around some older guys also going out there and really competing on a big stage too. I think that helps too, where he's not just trying to compete for a job when it comes to spring training, but also playing meaningful, important, valuable games right away. And I think that that goes a long ways in the development process too. And that, you know, I mean, I don't want to make excuses, but I mean, he, you know, again, going up three levels, playing the AFL, all that stuff. Sure. I mean, you know, you're going to have a lull there and there sooner or later. That's just baseball. And I thought it was interesting in his article where he was kind of talking about, you know, that he really started to feel that he, you know, kind of really started getting his swing towards the very end of spring training. I thought that was interesting because I heard Dansby Swanson say the same thing. And we see what he's done so far in Chicago after just an abysmal spring. He comes out and he's just raking right now for the Cubs. And now I'm wondering, too, you know, maybe, like I said, maybe Matt Mervis, same thing. You know, now all of a sudden he's starting to kind of feel it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I found that pretty interesting, too, where he said, look, I, I, by the end of spring training, I was just getting into a really good spot where I felt like my timing had kind of clicked. And it's got to be tough getting into a timing, um, you know, situation, you know, a good timing situation during spring training where you're going from Cubs camp, you're going to the WBC. You're also kind of having to grind out opportunities for at-bats too, where you're trying to get Hosmer in, you're trying to get Mancini in as well. So 
Um, he's going to get every day at bats down here. He's going to have plenty of opportunities to to do that. And it looks like even though um, the last couple of games haven't been as good as game number one, he still put some really good swings on the ball and, and works some really good at bats. So um, I would say so far this season, he's off to a really good start. Well, Tommy, you know, I'm glad you're able to hop on today because, like I said, I, I, I'm feeling that I was going to be a really fun place to watch some baseball. It isn't just in general, but this year's going to be extra special, and I'm sure you're going to be covering it like you always do for the Des Moines Register. Where can people follow you on the socials to kind of find more of these stories? And I'll, I'll make sure to link this when we release this podcast, but uh, where can they find you online to kind of keep up with what you're doing in Iowa? Yeah, I'm at Twitter at Tommy Birch, B-I-R-C-H, not the U, um, B-I-R-C-H and Des Moines Register.com where it's where all my stories are. You can uh, hop on there, subscribe, or uh, try to get by the, the paywall when you can. <laughs> that sounds great, Tommy. You take care. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you again soon, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, good seeing you in Des Moines. Absolutely. We'll be back. (laughs) With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. This is segment three of season two, episode 24, Cubs opening weekend 2023 on the fly, the W670 podcast. Don't forget to listen, download, review, most importantly, subscribe to this fly the W podcast. And let's talk about the Upcoming series, Crowley, the Cubs pack up for Wrigley, and they head east, and they're going to take on the Reds at the Great American Ballpark. First game in that series is going to be on Monday. Drew Smiley is going to tow the rubber for our Cubs. Yeah, you take a look at the standings, and I will tell you, there's nothing more exciting than when your team wins the first game of the season, and you go, oh, we're first place, but... uh... That you know, the Reds took care of business. They 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 have they won their last series and they are in first place along with Milwaukee and St. Louis, all at two and one. The Cubs and Pittsburgh are at one and two. So this is a series, Dustin, in my mind, that the Cubs really have to do something with. The schedule makers didn't do the Cubs any favors. And I feel like a deja vu with last year when I took a look at the schedule in April and May, and I'm just going, Oh man, this is not the greatest schedule to open up a season. And sure enough, the Cubs were out of it by, by end of May. And then you take a look in July and August, September, they did really good. Okay. But it doesn't matter at that point in time when you're done. So you you take a look at the schedule. If we put the schedule and pop it up here, you got those three games uh, against Cincinnati. Texas had a really good opening series, right? Then you got Seattle who was in the post team. Then, then you travel West, go Dodgers. Oakland's not very good, but again, you're still playing West coast. And then you got the Dodgers again in San Diego at home, followed by a Miami team that has a really, really good pitching staff. So it could be rough. It could be a rough, it could be a real rough uh, March, April Crowley, no doubt. Right. And so you really want to do what you can against a team like the Cincinnati Reds. They didn't spend any money in the off season. They don't have, you know, Joey Votto is old and not, and he's injured. It's not like there's a bunch of guys that, that should be killing you here in this. So you want to take a look at this series. And if you win two out of three, great. You'd really want to win three out of three here, Dustin. You just, you, you, like I said, just just by the way that the calendar works, you have to take advantage of these games. And so hopefully the Cubs are going to go in there and not be too stressed out and, and try to kind of play pretty loose. But like you said, you you know, the Cubs have um, – the first game of the series is going to be tomorrow, Monday, and that's going to be a night game that you're going to like the time, Dustin. 540, let's say we get a two-and-a-half-hour game, you, you might be able to catch most of it, right? It'll be over before the national championship game starts. I know that doesn't mean much to you, but it does to me, and uh, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, you got Drew Smiley versus Connor Overton, so that's, you know, the, the Cubs will, that's a series that hopefully the Cubs can do pretty well with, you know, um, was when I'm looking at this right here and you look at the different pitching matchup, we know what Drew Smiley has done. Now, 
Dustin, I know, you know, part of our job is to kind of talk to fans about just different things that we see. And when it's spring training, all we can do is base things based on the numbers we see, right? Like we can't do anything else other than that. And so when we saw, you know, Swanson doing bad, we're like, okay, is that, are we going to see that? Or when Wisdom had a good spring, was that going to continue? Drew Smiley, I felt kind of probably out of all the Cubs starters, the ones, the five in the rotation, he's the one I felt that struggled the most, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. To- totally agree. So I'm, I'm just very curious to see what exactly he's going to do um, against the Reds. So I'm hoping that he can kind of come out and have a good start. You know, Drew Smiley last year was really, really good, especially in the seventh, second half. And so I'm kind of looking at this and saying, okay, what can the Cubs do versus Overton? Not a lot of guys have experience. Overton was a guy that used to play for uh, the Yankees, right? And so he had about eight starts last year, and, you know, he went four and four. He was okay, but, you know, the Cubs don't have a lot of experience against him. So I'm I'm, I'm just sitting here hoping to myself that, that, you know, how sometimes you worry if they don't have a lot of experience that they're going to struggle. I'm just hoping that he can sit there and the, the hitters, most of them only have like three or four plate appearances against him. So kind of a little nerve wracking, but I think the Cubs after this series at home, right? I think that the weather, who knows what it's going to be in Cincinnati, maybe hopefully a little bit nicer, but I'm hoping that the Cubs offense can kind of just get out of that slump. You know, when you just have a big game where everything kind of goes your way, that's what you kind of look at, you know? So well, that's what I'm looking forward to, Crowley. I think the offense has to get moving. They've got to get. We've got to see somebody other than get, than Dansby Swanson get some uh, important hits. Yeah, somebody other than him. So you know, Overton is a guy that that absolutely can happen to. He doesn't have a lot of experience. Uh, when you take a look at 2022, he started two games. You know, just not anybody that has a huge track record. So I'm. Um, um, he won one. Started for, I'm sorry, 33 innings pitched last year. And Drew Smiley had, you know, like I said, a really strong season. So that's a game I feel that the Cubs should clearly take on that one. So, Absolutely. You know, when you look at game two, this is the one that I know Dustin will be glued to his TV for because that's going to be his guy right there, Hayden Wesniski. So uh, as, as we look at this one right here with Hayden Wesniski, he probably had, I would say, arguably him and Stroman – Boy, it had the to me the two best starts out of all the starters there. So let's see what Hayden's got if he can kind of build on last season against Luis Sesa. Uh, you know, once again, not a lot of experience between these two ha- uh, teams. Ian Happ has eight at bats versus Sesa. He's got a two fifty average on that. Eric Hosmer five at bats and a four hundred, but sample size is is too little. I look at the Reds and nobody has really gotten too much off of Wesniski. A lot of zero zero zeros, but only three at bats. So, you know, not nothing to really kind of look at there. But Wesniski's a guy. I think if the Cubs have one thing in their favor, it's the depth of their starting pitching, right? Is that like you would take Wesniski as a fifth starter any day of the week? I think that Drew Smiley makes a really good fourth starter if he's healthy. So you know, you look at this bad series with Milwaukee, you can sit there and say, you know. It's not an automatic loss for the fourth or fifth starters job. You know what I mean? It's not something that you're really panicking out. I think you can get a good start out of Drew Smiley. I think you, we're clearly confident that Hayden Wisniewski can do a jo- good job as well. Oh, I, I can't wait. Crowley, I, I'm so pumped up to see what he does, and I will be so in my cups if he has a bad night. That's for sure. <laughs> And, and, and yeah, and so the last game is going to be Marcus Stroman. We talked about Stro. He absolutely, it was just, he, he's fun. Do you get what I'm saying? He's so much fun to watch. And you look at that opening day. Look at this stat from Stroman. Uh, yeah, and he had a, this from Jordan Bastian tweeted this out. 129 ERA in his three career opening day starts, 20 strikeouts in 21 innings. Against the Brewers, six innings pitched, three hits, zero runs, three walks. Like to see that less. 8Ks and 90 pitches, 53 strikes. So, you know, he's going up against Hunter Green. He, Hunter Green got roughed up the last time. You know, he's only played, he's only pitched one game so far this career, and it's it wasn't the greatest game. So uh, I'm hoping that the Cubs can absolutely get to him and, and try to really, you know, like I said, the offense, I'm looking for one of those big breakout games. You know, that's that's what I'm looking for right now. 
Well, Crowley, if they don't take two out of three from these uh, Cincinnati Reds, uh, come uh, Wednesday evening or Thursday afternoon, whenever we get together for our next uh, get-together, you're going to see a one red-ass Dustin Rhodes. I'll tell you that right now. Well, like I said, it's it's early, um, but we talked about this before, Dustin. This team has got to get off to a good start, and I think that's what makes it the most frustrating thing about looking at the, the, this past weekend is you had an opportunity to go two or three, and you let it slip through your fingers, and then now you hope that these guys aren't putting more pressures on themselves to be successful against the Reds. All right, Crowley, that's a wrap. Season 2, Episode 24, Cubs opening weekend 2023 in the books. Don't forget to listen, download, review, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on all the socials, Fly the W Facebook, 670, Instagram, email us, flythew670gmail.com. And you can now watch us on the YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. Crowley, have a great week and enjoy these games coming up against the Reds. Will do, and, and, and remember, this is just the beginning of a very long season, so we're not hitting the panic button just yet, Cubs fans. Don't worry. They're going to go in there, and they're going to rock the Reds. And go, Cubs! It's all over. 